0: Father, it is our wish, it is our desire that you would take our moment to remember that we are in your midst mm-hmm. and you are in our midst. Mm-hmm. That you are here by your Holy Spirit. And just like Liz was playing, uh, praying downstairs, Lord, there's nothing uh, usual. There's nothing just routine about us gathering. You have something new. It you says your mercies are new every morning. And that, Father, we bring you our vessel, we present ourselves to you this
1: morning. And we
0: praise you and thank you, Father, that you are here right now.
1: Yes. By your
0: Holy Spirit, you live within
1: us. Yes. And you are
0: here right now. Yes. Thank you, Father, that you
1: desire to have
0: a relationship with us.
1: Yes. What
0: mystery is it that mm. the Lord who created the whole universe wants to have a relationship with, not just us as a church, but us as individuals?
1: Thank you. Thank you, Father. Mm. I sealed you. I carved you on the palm of my hands. You're just apples of my too. eye. I cannot well, stop my teeth. <sighs> mm. Gracias. luta foi
0: God can speak to us um, through His Word,
1: uh,
0: which we're very thankful for. It is the foundation upon which everything else
1: is built, but He also
0: has given us gifts of the Spirit, which are ways that He can also speak to us as individuals and as a body. And I'm very thankful for it. I'm so thankful for it. Um, because it's it's we, we know God's word, which is his truth. But as Bill and I were talking about it this morning, how important it is that we hear his voice. We can know his word, but we also need to know his voice. And he does speak through his word, and that is most common and and absolute. Anyone says God doesn't speak to me, will just read the Bible. He'll be speaking to you right there. But to hear God this morning, there was a lament in what Roseanne felt. Roseanne, do you have any sense of that?
1: is kind
0: of the sense of those words that were coming forth uh, it's it's hard to explain really God's love for us as much picture somebody who is madly in love with another person and the way they behave and what there, you may have been in that situation at one time hopefully you're in it right now um, uh, but where there is that very passionate, thinking about you all the thinking about the person all the time and wanting to do good for them. That's God all the time. Ours wanes, God's does not. It's like Grace said, His mercies are new each morning. And it never wanes. It never wanes. It's, and by wane, I mean it never decreases. It never stops. It's not like Dad doesn't love you today, but tomorrow he'll really come back on the scene. It's not that. He never does that. And there is a call about pushing in towards God.
1: And we're living in
0: a time where we really need to do that. And it's it's not just so that we can sense God
1: and so that we can... Feel
0: him and get a word from him and that kind of thing. I believe what I sense is that it is survival. It is how we are going to survive. It kind of dovetails very beautifully with what I talked about this
1: morning. Um,
0: for many, many years, due to the fact that very early in my In my walk with the Lord, I I started to get pictures when I would pray for people. Lo and behold, as a young Christian, I I started to discover that these pictures really meant something to people. And then I would would say, God, what does this picture mean? And he would show me and I would say it to the person. And they would just be so deeply touched by it. That ministry is the ministry of a seer in the Old Testament. S-E-E-R. And because you see things. That's what it is. Um, in our culture today, and all through many times when I'm with other pastors and stuff, they'll say that, refer to me as being prophetic, or I have a prophetic ministry. I don't believe I do. I, do. I think prophetic ministry is something different. But, this, this message today, I think, has a tone of prophetic to it. And I believe God is speaking to the church, universal, today, especially in the West. And I believe it's a sobering, solemn message. God, yes, He gives us a banqueting table and seats us at His table in the midst of the valley and God is good to us and He was good here this morning. But there's also another side to what we are living and what we're going to be living. The first scripture is Matthew 26, and I'll be reading from verse 31 to 46. On the way, Jesus told them, Now, the context of this, the situation, is they are coming from the Last Supper,
1: and they are heading over to
0: the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives is a walk uh, from here, uh, to the big apartment buildings up there, just across from Main Street. And it's almost the same steepness. You, you come out of Jerusalem, you walk down, you go down a street, and then you cross the Kidron Valley, and then you walk right up onto um,
1: the uh, Gethsemane.
0: So they're on their way over to Gethsemane. On the way, Jesus told them, tonight all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd." and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. It's very important that we understand that it says, God will strike the shepherd. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. You can you can hear the pride in that, right? Jesus replied, and I'm sure there was true passion also. He he loved Jesus. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times that you even know me. Mm -hmm. No, Peter insisted. (laughs) Jesus just told you what's going to happen. (laughs) They've been with him for three years, and Peter says, no. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. I often think, what were they? Did they know that Jesus was always right? Like, had they not learned that in three years? Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. A lot of us have walked the road with Jesus for a while, and we've probably said that. Lord, please take this away. But, if it's your will, okay.
1: Then he returned to the disciples
0: and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? I mean, you know, an hour ago he was saying he would die for him. Yeah. Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not get in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, You know it's interesting, he said the same things again. Jesus had to go back. Why? Because he probably wasn't totally convinced he could do it. So he went back again and said the same things. Father, if I have to do this, okay. It took him three times to digest
1: that. Mm -hmm. So
0: don't feel bad when you don't get it the first time.
1: When you look at something and you
0: you know you have to do it, and then you have to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. And I need you to... Jesus did it three times. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead. Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. (laughs) The time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. There's some important aspects of this that we need to look at. First of all, Jesus tells them what's going to happen. He's telling them
1: what's going to happen.
0: And it says, on the way, Jesus told them, Tonight all of you will desert me, for the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And then he says, but after I've been raised from the dead, dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Like, this is a profound statement. This is a lot of information. And he wasn't just being cagey with them. He was telling them exactly what was going to happen. And they didn't, they just didn't believe it.
1: They obviously didn't believe
0: it. Because... Everything's going great.
1: We just had a great
0: supper. And you talk some real crazy stuff, but we're used to that. You know, you you read the Last Supper, you can tell the disciples had no idea what he's talking about.
1: Because Jesus is in this ecstatic
0: state of realizing what is about to happen. He was able to see the joy of it and the wonderful inheritance the earth was going to get. Because of what he was about to do and the disciples, you could just see them, oh, okay, yeah. went. And then the disciples make their declaration about what they're going to do. And it says, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. This is, you know, Peter. And then God telling them, oh no, 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 Peter, before the the rooster crows, uh, you're going to deny me that you even know me. And all the rest of them said, we're with Peter. We're going to do the same thing.
1: And you kind of think in church, we
0: come to church, And we throw our hands up in worship and praise. And we love you, Lord, and we'll never deny you, Lord. And everything's great. Right? Everything's great. And it is. Now. Everything's great. So, we're saying these great proclamations to God.
1: And then, you know...
0: What actually happened? Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he says something. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Which is an interesting word there. What is the temptation that they're going to fall into?
1: Right?
0: What is it that they're going to fall into? Well, Jesus knew what was coming. They didn't. And this is what happened. When he came back... He again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy, so he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time. While, and i skip down here. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. It was so premeditated what he did. Whereas Peter was caught by surprise. But even though Jesus did warn him, Jesus warned him.
1: And he warned all of them. He arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss
0: is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. It is interesting, he called him Rabbi, didn't call him Lord, didn't call him Son of Man, didn't say any of those things. Jesus replied, Do What you came for, friend. Wow. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword. We always think it's Peter, but we don't know for sure. Drew it out and struck the servant of the high priest. Actually, it does say somewhere else that it was Peter. Cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Hence the call for a pacifist faith that the brethren denomination the, the, adhere to so strongly. Do you think I cannot call on my Father and He will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the Scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? This is God is putting this all together and that's something we really, really need to remember when we start watching the world fall apart. God put this together. In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. That's where all of their bravado went, that boasting. And it just seems to say... That if those disciples had chosen to pray instead of sleeping that night, something different might have happened.
1: Don't know what, but
0: something different might have happened. Jesus told them to pray. He told Peter, he said, you've got to pray because you don't know what's coming. He knew what was coming. And Peter was thinking... Like we We said previously, we we just had a great meal.
1: meal. Everything's okay. Everyone loves Jesus. Uh, He had this
0: great introduction into Jerusalem.
1: And they're thinking, this is great.
0: What is prayer? What was Jesus talking about when he said pray? You know, sometimes we think about prayer as being sitting down and just taking our needs before the Lord and stuff. And that is part of prayer. But the other part that I think that we need to understand here is dedicated
1: time with the Lord.
0: Now that can happen through prayer meetings, it can happen through church attendance on Sunday, it can happen meeting together as brothers and sisters. What Jesus is saying, pray, be together, because the flesh is weak. He's telling us our flesh is weak. We don't realize it until we're in the middle of a test. We don't realize it until we're in the middle of a struggle. And then all of a sudden we get shocked because we're striving to have faith, we're striving to believe, we're striving to do all these things. And Jesus is giving us a template here. He's saying, listen, pray, because you're going to need it. You're going to need getting together with the brothers and sisters. You're going to need... It. Tuesday night we're here praying. I don't know, like, I, I am so thankful we are in a church, uh, 50 to, on a really good day, you know, if Jesus was coming back next Sunday, there'd probably be about 60
1: people here, you know, we would have a good congregation. Um,
0: but out of that, we have about, t- averaging 26 to 30 people
1: for a prayer meeting. Those percentages
0: are unheard of in most churches. We are very blessed that that many people are coming together on Tuesday night. And what's happening on Tuesday night? What's happening on Tuesday night is we're worshipping, and then God usually breaks out and does prayer for individuals. You that have been coming, you know what's happening on
1: Tuesday nights. It's powerful,
0: it's intimate, and it's important. And we have to keep doing that because folks we don't know what's coming god has given us a little bit of an indication we have the scriptures we have matthew 24 we have the book of revelation we have the old testament prophecies we know something is is coming and we know it's going to be very hard but this idea of personal times of prayer prayer meetings church attendance Where are these things
1: on the priorities
0: of our life? And this is really important. We do not have an option on this one. We are the the children of God. We are those who have been called to follow Jesus. It's not an optional thing. It's just not. And, And we're being told by Jesus in this piece of scripture with what happened in Gethsemane. Jesus gave them the key to how to not have the fall away happen. Pray. Pray that you are not tempted. Pray that you're strong enough to face what's coming. Pray that you're going to be able to withstand whatever struggle and situation comes. I remember, like, there's people who come to church when they want to. Maybe once a month. Maybe twice a month. Um, I don't know what's going on in people's personal prayer life, but I just feel this week, if there is any prophetic thing in me at all, what it's saying to me is that the church has to get serious because something is coming. And I know I've been pounding this drum for the better part of two years, but honestly, I can't get away from it. And it's our job as leaders to encourage, coach, Force, do whatever you have to, to get the body of Christ in a place that it's going to be able to handle what's coming. And what Jesus is telling us in Gethsemane is that it's got something to do with your time with God and your time with the body of Christ. When I was
1: all through uh,
0: my Christian walk, I remember uh, when I worked at the radio station what I would do, and I'm not boasting, I'm just saying what I needed to do and what I think we, it's the type of thing we need to do in order to survive, spiritually. I would get up, and these are the days when I went to the gym every morning. That didn't work out very well, but anyway. I gave it a shot. 18 months, and I never gained an ounce of muscle, and I lost a ton of sleep. Um, but I would get up, and I would go to the gym for 6 in the morning in darkness, then I would drive back to New Life Center because we had a shower upstairs, and I would get a shower, and I'd get ready for work, and then I'd go down and spend an hour or so praying, and then I'd be into the radio station for 8.30, 30, 49. And I did that every day, except, of course, the weekends. And... It's so hard to get people to just come to church, to just have a a, a very purposeful uh, personal regimen with prayer and meeting and all that stuff. And I'm you may have all these things, but I'm looking at the, the overall church, I'm going, man, we have got to do something. And I hear other pastors talking about it. The Western church has gone to sleep. It has gone to sleep. Not saying that good things aren't happening. Yes, good things are happening. People are being fed and and there's good ministry going on. But I'm telling you, we are not ready. We are not ready for what's coming. I have had pictures when I... uh, praying one day, and I just got this picture about how we would reach out to the lost and do all this kind of stuff, and I got this picture of what it looked like to the disciples when all those people were coming through the woods of Gethsemane, and they would have been coming up the hill, they would have been looking down, because it's a really steep hill, and they would have been looking down saying, here they come, Jesus would have been, the rest of them were asleep, looking down, Seeing them coming
1: and up. And
0: the sense that came to me was that the same thing is going to happen. They'll be coming for the church, and it won't be to join it.
1: It will not be to join the church. It will be
0: to try to snuff the church out. Sounds dramatic. It sounds like I might be, you know, getting a little bit fanatical, but it's raw scripture. It's absolutely what scripture says. The times we're living in, we are in a huge cultural change. I've said it before and I'll bang the drum again. We are, society is going completely on its head. Like I got my haircut last night. I'm talking to this woman down there. She's probably, I'd say, in her 50s. And she said, what has happened to the world in the last five years? I said, I know. People have gotten so angry. There's no shame. The attack nature. And you see it coming into the churches. Churches being divided
1: over political
0: stuff. There have been Democrats and Republicans before, all through the church, you know, for the last 200 years. It's never caused the division that it does now. Medical simple things are causing things to divide. The world is changing. Something has been loosed. Something has been loosed on the earth. And we can't just come and pretend that it's not happening and that it's not deliberate. We have to really start figuring out now what it is we need to do. And Jesus is telling us what we need to do. We need to pray. And this huge cultural change, when they come for the church, boy, that sounds bad. It sounds like you're a victim mentality and a a siege mentality. I don't want to be that. But at the same time, we need to be cognizant. God puts people on the walls so they can look out the prophetic and the revelatory and say, this is what's coming, guys. It's a ways off, but it's coming. There are going to be three areas in which the church is going to be attacked
1: on three areas. The
0: sanctity of life.
1: That is going to
0: be one of them. It already is. And when you see the vengeance that was released towards the Christian church in the States when they threw out Rowan Way, um, because there's only one group of people in society right now standing as a mass for the sanctity of life, and it's the conservative Christian church. And when, if, if it doesn't get reneged, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's okay. It's okay. Let it come. But that's one of them. The other one is the sanctity of marriage
1: the sanctity of the
0: male female union before God as marriage. That's going to be the other one. And it's already happening. We are going to, right now, it's okay that we can stand here and I can say to you that marriage is by God's. Uh, Definition between a man and a woman, and that any other union before God is not permissible for a Christian who is walking with Christ and chooses to walk with Christ. Now, if someone comes to Christ, if they come to Christ and they have to and they're in that lifestyle, then absolutely. You have to give time for God to work on that
1: stuff.
0: It's not like, oh, listen, you're living in that life, you can't come in. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we don't bait and switch. So this is what we believe if we're asked. But you allow God. God is more concerned with people's sanctity and their sanctification than He is their sexuality. So come in, and if God wants to speak to you on something, He will speak to you. But this is what Scripture says. And the other one, and and all variations of that, as we stand for a conservative Christian approach to Christianity, it's going to cost us something.
1: And you can hear the rumbling. You can hear it. Just
0: go into the marketplace and start talking like this and find out if your consuls aren't wearing your mustache. It's, It's a very violent response that they have. And the third one that we will be probably attacked on is Israel. On standing with Israel. Now, I do not believe that we have to stand with everything Israel does. The way they are treating the Palestinians and the way that that's going on, that does, that's not what God is telling us to stand with Israel for. It's got nothing to do with it. And there's much dispute about uh, the Israel that is there right now. Is that really the Israel that God spoke about, uh, that he's going to come back and call people from all parts of the earth? That has not happened yet. 1948 is a disputed thing. And I was talking with a bunch of pastors this week about it because we're studying about it. And I said to the guy, I said, is the Israel that we are supposed to align with, is it the one that was formed in 1948, or is it, like the Hasidic Jews believe, Messiah will come back and he will create Israel. He will cause Israel to have its full borders. And he will call people from all nations and bring them back to Israel, the Jews. We don't know. All we know is that there's a little nation there called Israel. And that we are standing with the fact that we believe that at one point, the Christian church is going to be brought in in fullness into the Jewish promises. And then the world will be governed by Israel, by the 12 tribes of Israel. That's the truth. And the devil's been fighting it ever since it was said. He's been fighting it. As much as as the uh, anti-Semites would like to have it otherwise, at one point coming, the whole world is going to be governed by Israel.
1: So we stand
0: with those beliefs. Whether or not we're going to get hit on the Israel thing, who knows. But these things will not be tolerated by our society. And it's what's coming. Paul said to Timothy that for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Are we praying or are we sleeping? Are we praying or are we sleeping? I don't like this message much. It sounds sounds like we're woe is me and All that stuff. But in reality, the church is going to be challenged very, very deeply. And I don't know if you're the ones and I'm the one who is going to live to see it.
1: But we're going to see some
0: of it for sure. And if God is saying anything to the church right now, He's saying, get yourself ready.
1: Get ready.
0: Because in order to stand in what we believe with our family, with our friends, and with all these things, it's going to get ready. Really difficult.
1: and But yet in the middle of it all, there are people that God is calling. There's people
0: that God is calling. People that you bump into, people that I will bump into. And we are still called to go out into the middle of that and be the light. We are not called to go out and shove a stick in the tiger's eye. That's not what we're supposed to do. But we're, we're called to go and make relationships with people, love them, allow them to get to know us, and maybe if we're walking with Christ properly, they will see there's something different in us, and will want to have what we have, because as it gets darker, the light Gets brighter. It does. But we, it is a time where we have to be, we have to be careful. They were hiding in the catacombs as Christians for a reason. They had to do that for a reason. They didn't do, oh, I don't care, I'm going to suffer for Jesus. No. They said, no, we're not going to do that because we're going to die. So what we're going to do is we're going to hide because God wants to keep the church going. So, there's that prayer time and there's a time to shine for Christ through what does he say we shine through the most? Our good Thank you. Our good works.
1: That's what he said we would shine. He said, Do those good
0: works so everyone can see them. And you know, in church we think the right hand should know what the left hand's doing, and there's certainly something about that. But God wants us to go out and shine in a very dark world. And you don't have to do that much to shine. You really don't. Smile at somebody. Do that, I dare you. Go to a bus stop. How many get buses here? Go to a bus stop, look at somebody and smile and say, how are you doing today?
1: Do that and see what happens.
0: Or someone in your workplace. Say, could I pray for you? Is there anything we'd like? I'm going to church on Sunday and we pray for people. Is there anything we'd like to pray? You'd like us to pray? I guarantee you they'll give you a list this long. They really will. We don't have to hit them with John 3.16 all the time.
1: Hit them with acts of love and that will draw them. That will draw people. But we've been talking
0: about this in. Uh, with the pastors on Wednesdays, and and I just can't get it, I just can't get it out of my mind, that we are in the end times. And we may not be in the end of the end of the end of the end times, but we're certainly closer to it than we were 60 years ago. The world has changed. And we have to not just pretend everything's the same, and we need not run in fear, we need not hide in church, But we do need to be in church strengthening ourselves and being able to get ourselves uh, healed and whole. Know that we're loved in spite of the tough circumstances that many of us are going through. That God hasn't left us. That God is with us. And he gives these little miracles every once in a while that lets you know that he's with you. Don't you love it? Those little dimes. You know, we were talking about the dimes. And God has these little waves. And he—he he, sometimes you'd like a big old fat dollar bill. But but it's, he gives these dimes. Small little touches. I am with you. I am with you. We don't know the, the miracles that our suffering may be procuring or making for somebody else. We don't know what's happening in the spiritual realm. But uh, anyway. So the... The theme of this don't sleep.
1: When God is saying pray, pray.
0: And I know many of you and I know your devoted life and I know how you're up in the middle of the night. I know you know people who do that. And when God speaks to them, they pray. We have real prayer warriors in this church. We're very fortunate. This is an amazing church. An amazing church. If anybody had a problem, I would send them to no other church except this one. Because you guys know how to pray. You know how to feel for people. You know how to carry people when they're weak. You did it for me. And still do it for me. So we're very fortunate. But Father, we thank you for what you're saying to us today. We thank you for your word to us. And Father, help us to know where we have to wake up a bit. As individuals. What is it in in our life. It may you They're doing fine. But for others. I just hear you saying. You need to let go of this. And start doing this. Let go of this part of the world. And take this part of my kingdom. And so Holy Spirit. Just show us that. What it is you are saying. What it is that you want us to let go of. What it is you want us to do. And Lord, as you bring it to our mind, we just make covenant with you this morning. That Father, this is what we desire. This is what we want to do. Help us, Holy Spirit. It is only by you, Holy Spirit, that this desire that we're giving to you this morning, that we'll be able to do it, Lord. As you give us strength. (coughs) As you give us that instigation. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's a lot of people out with COVID. Stephanie's got it. Reg has got it. Alice has it. Um, But luckily, it's much milder. These cases are much milder. So I have boxes of uh, tests back there. If you don't have uh, rapid tests, Please take a box with you. Very simple to do. It, the, it's got little vials. All you do is go. Oh, yeah, put it in.
1: will do this now. Yeah. That's hot water.
0: See that? You put hot water in it, and the message comes.
1: Right?
0: What message? Look at it, girly. What's it saying? It says mosaic. Well, heaven. Came from heaven, and you have to go to get one. Um... Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it's a slow road, but you're on your way. Um, Ron and Ruth uh, make these. Uh, and what we're going to do now, this, is, this is, shows you what it does, but I'm getting bigger ones. They're, uh, I think, nine ounce coffee mugs. And what we're going to do is we're going to put mosaic on one side, and then I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask God to give me a scripture for each monk. So that when you get your mug, there's going to be a scripture that will open up once it... Or if you're giving it to somebody, if you want to give it for Christmas, and there could be a message on that, whatever, a scripture or some kind of message. And they won't see it until they use it, and all of a sudden... Don't tell them what's going to happen.
1: Just when they put the coffee in it,
0: it's going to be hilarious. Um, So... uh, they're $20 each, and um, there's a sign-up list at the back, and um, you just put your name and how many you want, and I'll order them with Ron, and uh, and then I'm just going to pray when I see all the names, and we'll do it next week. I think we have enough time to do it next week too, and still get them in time for Christmas, of course, but uh, we can put something on the... it's going to be so great. I love it. And uh, it's a wonderful way to just a little witness. You could say, I love you. Trisha. (laughs) But, or a scripture. Uh, What I'll do is, unless there's something that's specific you want, I'll just put uh, a scripture and pray that that scripture is the one for you or for whoever you're giving it to. Um, Also, Uh, Tuesday night, uh, we're going to start something on Tuesday night. Uh, I talked about it, I think I talked about it last week, and I talked about it on Tuesday. Um, Agnes and Walter uh, have taken a study that we were doing, that I was doing with the pastors on Wednesdays, about the covenants that God has made with us in the Old Testament. And there is the Eden Covenant that God made with Adam and Eve. Then he made one with Abraham. Then he made one with David. Then he made one with the Israeli people, Israel, with Moses. And then finally, we have at the end, the New Covenant that Jesus made. And they are going to be teaching one covenant as we go. We're going to do the Eden Covenant. On night. Tuesday night, we'll also have prayer afterwards, but uh, the, it's back there on the table. And what you'll need to do if you want to participate in it on Tuesday night is take that home. There's some scriptures, Walter and Agnes did an absolutely amazing job of taking 14 pages of small line information and turning it into a series of uh, questions that will allow us to have conversation. And talk about the Eden Covenant. And I'll tell you, when we first started it as pastors, I'm going, what? You know, but by the time we got to the New Covenant and the Mosaic, what God has done so that you and I can know Jesus and be saved is unbelievable. You cannot appreciate the Old Testament, the New Testament, until you know this about the Old Testament. So, Agnes and Walter are going to teach it Tuesday night. So, and and if you can't make it Tuesday, but you still want to do it, just take it home with you. Walter, put all the scriptures there that you need to read. It's not a ton. It's not a, like you don't won't be at it for hours. And at least you'll be able to get the gist of of that Eden covenant. And, uh, yeah, grand. 6.30. And so it's really interesting stuff. I'm just... Anyway, I'm just really jazzed about it. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think that's it. Offering. Thank you, Myron. Take up an offering now.